Welcome to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your host, your personal financial advisor, live this Saturday morning, August the 13th. Happy to be with you. It's a gloriously perfect day out there. That opening line from Forever Young, particularly appropriate this morning, as uh, Gene flies solo, Alyssa Young is traveling. So, yeah, we're keeping her in our prayers. We hope that you do the same. Uh, she and her daughter, Juliana, her dad, family members are traveling overseas, and uh, we pray for their safety and their comfort and uh, and safe return, of course. So we ask you to do the same thing. That would be very, very kind of you. So we may the good Lord protect her on this road for sure and return her to us. And Juliana, of course, of course. So welcome to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your host, your personal financial advisor, 780 years of experience. Whew, how does he do it? It's a mystery, one of life's great mysteries, and yet right here for you. In a moment, we'll give you three different ways that you can join our show. If you're uh, so inclined to have a question asked and answered, an observation perhaps you like to make that I can... uh, either affirm or correct if necessary, or just some concerns that you'd like to express. The title of the show is More Than Money. We don't just talk about your money, but that is generally kind of the focus, whether it's a retirement issue or an investment issue, income tax issue, a Roth IRA conversion issue, a uh, estate planning who should be your executor issue, uh, or, or a business issue. Hey, how, how do we start or, or operate our business so that uh, we're doing it the best that we possibly can? Uh, fascinating book I'm reading uh, currently about Tony Shea, the founder of Zappos, the shoe company. He died a number of years ago in very unusual circumstances. And apparently his life was very unusual as well. So I'm about, I don't know, a third of the way through that book. And um, currently uh, they're talking about some of the reasons Zappos was so successful in terms of of their culture and their employees. So if you have questions about how to set your business up so that you can be, I don't know. When they sold Zappos, they sold it for hmm, $1.2 billion. Um, So if if you're hoping that your pizza shop is going to take off like a rocket ship. We are happy to assist you. Three different ways that you may join us. 610-720-7900. 610-720-7900. Very traditional, very uh, effective. You call, John answers, he gets you squared away and then passes you on to me. And we give you the very best information that we possibly can um, this Saturday morning. And uh, works out really, really well. Good exchange. I get to clarify, get to ask questions, get to engage. If you have perhaps a bit more detailed question or if you are a bit more um, concerned about being very, very private, uh, email works. And this week, uh, Gene, G-E-N-E, at askmtm.com is your email of choice, G-E-N-E at askmtm.com. That will work very, very well. And, of course, 
if you are further afield or if you simply wish to access it from your perhaps your workstation, your laptop, your tablet, your smartphone, um, perhaps you're at work and you just like to listen in while you're doing something that's not that exciting. Ah, then all you got to do is go online, morethanmoneyonline.com, morethanmoneyonline.com. Magically, every Saturday morning about this time, a red button appears. You hit the listen live button and you get the entire show absolutely direct to you wherever you have internet coast to coast and from border to border. Uh, we are very, very blessed over, gosh, now more than 30 years of radio. Initially, uh, of course, Rush Limbaugh was the king, king of radio syndication. I know at uh, one point, at, at least uh, by my memory, he was on over 600 stations across the nation. And in the early days, that was a, a full-time job for an entire company, uh, securing stations and, and the syndication process and the agreements and the spots and, oh, yeah, yeah your head exploded. And, uh, gosh, even back then we dreamed, maybe someday, maybe someday, somebody in California will be listening to us. Maybe someday somebody in Alabama will be listening to us or Florida or perhaps South Carolina uh, Boston, perhaps. Eh, not Boston. But anyway, and the answer is now they do. And through the miracles of iHeartMedia, uh, absolutely fantastic. All you need to do is go to morethanmoneyonline.com. You can share our show with anyone that you care about that has Internet access and a smart device. So uh, happy to have you joining us this morning. Again, 610-720-7900. Uh, momentarily, I'm going to give you a heads up about a very special interview that we're going to conduct uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. I'll let you know about that shortly. So if you are making your plans for your morning, that you'll have some uh, reason to circle that time and stay with us. Uh, until we get there, um, I can hear the smiles. I can hear them all across the Lehigh Valley as people are opening up their July investment statements. And they're going, wait a second. It, it doesn't say it went down again. It went up again. Um, this is, uh, uh, gosh, following what, five, maybe six months of declines. A very hmm, welcome, welcome respite in what seemed for a, a while there to be that uh, that drop over the edge. And yet here we are halfway through August and not only did um, the stock market rise in July, but the first half of August as well. So we're on a rather interesting upward tilt. A lot of folks are saying, is it real? Is it just temporary? Uh, why is it going up? Why would it continue to go up? These are all reasonable questions, and these are all questions that you may wish to ask at 610-720-7900. And, of course, for loyal listeners, if, as, as you will understand, without Alyssa Young uh, hosting and, and, and me just, just barely able to support her in any sm some small way, uh, your phone calls are going to be really critical to me this morning. 
uh, help me kind of you know, muddle through somehow. <sighs> Sorry, playing the victim really doesn't. It's hard. That's not. That's just not me. Uh, so uh, markets are up uh, across the board. Very very nice. Um, there are a lot of discussions around recessions and around bear markets. These are two very very different things. Uh, one describes the economy. One describes the stock market and and or some piece of the stock market. So, for example, we talk about recession. And despite the fact that there are people in Washington, D.C. who claim to be in the know and really bright and really educated who can't can't simply acknowledge that the definition of a recession is always has been. When the economy is in negative territory for two consecutive quarters, as it has been this year, first two quarters of the year. So that is a recession. That is an economic measure, generally measured by the, the GNP, the gross, I'm sorry, GDP, gross domestic product. Um, GNP is gross national product. Sounds very similar. It really isn't. Uh, so gross domestic product um, is... Uh, an overall measure of the health of the economy, either moving forward or moving back. Of course, in a previous administration, we had the strongest economy uh, for four consecutive years that we had seen in decades. Oh, and we had very low inflation. Huh. Oh, hmm. very low gas prices and, and heating oil prices and utility prices. Huh. Well, at any rate, um, if you're looking at an economic number, a recessionary number, or a growth number, that's based on uh, GDP. If you're looking at uh, bear markets uh, uh, or bull markets heading in the right direction, uh, some would love to interpret the last six weeks as a bull market. Uh, not, not so quick there, buckaroo. But from a bear market standpoint, pretty easy uh, from the top, if it drops more than 20% from the previous high, if it drops more than 20%, any particular index, the NASDAQ, the S&P, the Dow, uh, then it's considered in bear market. Uh, all three of those indexes, indices, all three of those uh, were bear market indicators um, earlier this year. Uh, the Dow came back first, uh, now down, I think, eight or nine percent for the year, well within uh, non-bear market range. S&P, I think, came back next. And then the NASDAQ has exited bear market range. If I'm looking at the numbers correctly for the end of this past week, the NASDAQ is down 16% for the year, 16 from the high, from its high. So uh, bear markets perhaps being left behind. 16% is... Very, very close to minus 20. So could it return to bear market territory? The answer is sure. Of course it could. There's all manner of things that could cause that to happen. Um, head scratchers aside, uh, some of the, the, the more typical uh, usual suspects, as they say, are certainly out there, whether interest rates rise too quickly or whether unemployment gets uh, too nasty or whether job creation drops off or whether somebody decides to invade somebody else, uh, all those things could cause that. But currently, currently, and, and currently not Thursday, but currently like for six weeks plus, 
we have seen an upward tilt. Very, very good indeed. 610-720-7900. Gene at askmtm.com. More than money online.com. They all work very, very well to allow you to join us this morning. And happy to have you um, along for the ride. In our nine o'clock hour, Michael Parati, who is a uh, expert in the area of buffered ETFs, buffered exchange traded funds, a topic that we, Alyssa and I, have touched on in recent weeks, recent months. Uh, we haven't gone into great detail, but we're getting more and more questions, not just about, um, hey, that sounds good, but hey, how does that work? What are the mechanics? How exactly does a buffered ETF provide the kind of protection that lots and lots of folks are looking for? Um, Michael works uh, with a firm that specializes in buffered ETFs, and Alyssa Young uh, conducted her interview with Michael this past week, uh, put it in good order. John has it at the ready. So in the 9 o'clock hour, when we come back from Fox Network News, uh, you'll hear from uh, Alyssa and uh, Michael as they discuss the kinds of um, results you might expect from buffered ETFs, the kind of mechanics that go into creating a buffered ETF, the kind of protections that they can offer, the kind of upside, etc. So lots of very, very interesting things for your uh, consideration in the nine o'clock hour. Please make sure you hang on, uh, hang on with us, uh, certainly through that time frame. Um, let me make sure I'm covering all my bases. Oh, thank heavens. Thank heavens. Sometimes Washington doesn't always get it right, but certainly most Americans are very, very, very grateful that in this misnamed uh, Inflation Reduction Act that was just passed by, I I think, a whopping 13 votes in the House, Um, and that the president is apparently very excited to sign at least one provision there uh, will bring a smile to every real American's face as um, they have budgeted to hire 87,000 more IRS agents. And, and don't you just feel safer knowing that? Doesn't, that? doesn't that just put a little spring in your step? Just, just knowing that, don't, that things are better. Things are, they, got, they got real. There's only 79,000 employees at the IRS now, and they're hiring 87,000 more. <clears throat> well, if you ask uh, the head of our tax department, Diane, if that is her real name. She's really happy because her and the entire team, their experience with the IRS over the last three years has been, you make a phone call, they put you on hold, you can go off and do any number of things over the next hour and a half before they actually pick up the phone. And when they do pick up the phone, they'll tell you, you've reached the wrong person and they'll put you back on hold. So if they double the number of employees, then an hour and a half wait should only be what? 45 minutes. Yeah. Much better. 
Much, much better. 610-720-7900. Gene at AskMTM.com. More than money. Online.com if you're feeling just a little, you know, <laughs> this morning. I have no idea why. I was up at 445 this morning. It was actually oh dark 30. It was before the sun actually came up because as I hit the outside of the house and kicked, just took a peek to the skies. Full moon, gorgeous this morning. Oh, my gosh, absolutely breathtaking. And unlike earlier this week where at 5 o'clock in the morning, it was 79 degrees. This morning was 51 degrees. It was fabulous. Unbelievable. But if you're feeling a little um, uh, uh, broad and center, broad and center, toasted and roasted, they are open they are uh, uh, broadcasting our show. They are welcoming our listeners and our audience. And when you go in, uh, tell them, hey, how about a little something for the effort? <laughs> a little discount. Well, we have our first call coming in. That's going to be fantastic. I know it. I just know it in my heart. 610-720-7900. Toasted and roasted. Uh, fantastic coffee. Great baked goods. Uh, if you go a bit later, they have some wonderful sandwiches for lunch. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, we're talking about my daughter and son-in-law here. So there's, there's, there's no objectivity involved. Um, oh, and there's also no payment involved. There's unpaid uh, commercial endorsements. So head on down. Speaking of heading on down this afternoon, um, well, immediately after the show, I'll be heading down to Douglasville uh, with a fair number of good friends, uh, Diane and Alyssa, Megan, Chad, we're meeting Greg and Abby and, and uh, Ann and AJ, a whole bunch of folks were uh, playing uh, in a, a fundraising tournament to help the family of a gentleman uh, who has been lost. Uh, so they've lost father and, and husband, and we want to make sure that we can help in any way that we possibly uh, can. So um, think good thoughts. Uh, keep uh, unknown folks in your prayers as people when they have losses like that you can only imagine or if you are like me you pray you don't have to imagine you try very hard not to imagine those kinds of losses but uh, we will help in um, in any way we can 610-720-7900 we go to the phones we talk to phil phil good morning good morning gene uh earlier just a few days ago i heard something on the radio that our government is going to uh, eliminate our current monetary system uh, by December. And I think they're supposed to go over to a digital, digital system. Uh, I wonder if uh, you have any insight on that? Yeah, we have been hearing um, this, this kind of, in my opinion, rumor uh, for a long time. And there is simply nothing on the horizon. There's nothing on the radar screen that we've seen that would indicate that there's any truth to it. Um, there's a lot of concern among uh, individuals that the, the, the actual cash system, the, the, the folding bills that fit in your pocket kind of an idea will go away and that we will be uh, a digital only uh, currency. I don't expect that that's going to happen. I certainly don't expect that that's going to happen uh, by December in any way, shape, or form. I, I think for folks who find it unnerving, uh, I, and I know there's a fair number of us that, that would say, hey, that, that causes me some very serious concerns. 
Um, the vast majority of the current financial system is digital. The vast majority of the current system is direct deposit paychecks, it's direct debit payments, it's uh, debit cards, it's credit cards. So if by some measures, there's about 84, 85% of our current financial system is digital anyway. My concern is not the digital aspect. My concern is the government uh, interference aspect. Uh, I think events of this past week uh, have demonstrated again uh, that uh, organizations within the government that when I was growing up were considered to be uh, of the highest uh, level, of the highest integrity, um, no longer are. And the fact that you would say, um, when I began in the financial field, if I said I, I would recommend a treasury, a U.S. government treasury, backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, people really did nod. They were very uh, relieved and very comforted knowing that the U.S. government stood behind an investment. Now, when I say full faith and credit of the U.S. government, people just shake their heads. If they're polite, they smile. If they're not, they cackle. Um, this uh, ability for the government to tap into digital systems to track exactly what you are spending, exactly where you are spending it, et cetera, I find very unnerving. I think it's a violation of uh, fundamental rights uh, that we have as Americans. So I am more concerned about what's going on behind the scenes um, than I am about the actual digital aspect of it. But again, uh, we have nothing on the radar that says that they are going to do that. I think the election in November is going to be an incredibly important event uh, to either stifle that kind of insanity or, sadly, depending on how the election turns out, it may add fuel to the fire. Okay, I, I understand also that uh, Biden already signed it into law. Yeah, I have not heard that. haven't seen that. I can't confirm that. Uh, I don't expect that. But um, stranger things have happened. And if we get more information on that, Phil, we'll bring it back and we'll report it next week. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. You take care. God bless. 610-720-7900. Yeah, I, it hurts me as much as uh, to say it as much as I'm sure for many of you it hurts to hear there the confidence that I have in uh, anything going on inside the beltway is as near zero as it can possibly be. Um, the folks that you would point to as um, the um, le leaders of the opposition, so to speak, they aren't in Washington, D.C. The ones who claim to be, I have just limitless questions about and more than a little bit concerned about. Um, but I want to be really, really clear about something that that a lot of folks don't make the distinction. I am not worried about America. I know too many Americans, real Americans, not politicians. And if you're the person that has run for public office for the third or fourth or fifth time, and I, I don't care whether it's dog catcher or president of the United States, um, you're a politician. I'm talking about real Americans, people that go to work, people that love their families, people that respect the flag, people that stand for the national anthem. They're, they're, uh, we're, we're not talking about a small number, even though in my most recent e 
newsletter, we talked about small numbers being able to make big changes. We're not talking about, we're talking about tens and tens and tens of millions and millions and millions of, of people who still uh, do all the things that Americans do. So I'm not worried about our country. Uh, I am deeply concerned about our leadership and where that may take us. And, and again, a digital currency, is that a bad thing? Nope. Is having uh, giving government access to every dollar that you spend in real time a bad thing? You bet it is. You bet it is. 610-720-7900, gene at askmtm.com. I've got a fistful of emails that have come in this morning. That is very, very encouraging. We'll get to some of those after the break. Alyssa Young, if you're listening for her uh, melodic tones and her wonderful laugh, um, she is traveling and will be traveling uh, this weekend next. So you, you're kind of stuck with me. You got to you know, make the best of it. You know what I'm saying? So keep her in your prayers as she goes through her travels. Uh, circle uh, September 9th, which is less than a month away. Holy cow as we welcome all of you to come visit us live, in person, in our More Than Money World Headquarters in the Holy Lands between Bethlehem and Nazareth as we raise funds for Folds of Honor, uh, remembering 9-11. Uh, 9-11 this year is on Sunday, so we move ours up to Friday, and hopefully you'll be, uh, you'll be able to join us there as well. Uh, we got to take a quick break. That's our first of the... Uh, of the show, 610-720-7900. Back after this on More Than Money. key line in there <laughs> it's all by myself but if we're not gonna get there we got calls coming well played well played 610-720-7900 uh, we have a call coming in right this moment so be patient with john as you call in next one quick observation just uh in the uh, spirit of being annoyed i find lots of reasons to be annoyed i got a uh, promotional postcard this week from a company um, promoting one of their one of their annuities, and um, I am not anti-annuity. I'm not Ken Fisher, who said he would rather die than have a client have an annuity, which just means he's a moron, um, and certainly not a fiduciary. 
because a fiduciary is not allowed to make predeterminations about what they will or won't do. They have to decide that it's in the best interest of their client. And in many cases, annuities are in the best interest of their client. Um, but this is the kind of promotion and kind of company that I just throw their material away as soon as I see it, unless I want to carp about it on air because it starts out with, do you want a commission of 7.75% on your annuity sales? And then you throw it away. Uh, any annuity that's paying a commission that high is not in the best interest of the client. 610-720-7900. We go to the phones. We talk to Barry. Barry, good morning. Hey, good morning, Gene. How's it going today? Good, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm a little confused with this here uh, uh, inflation reduction. I don't I don't understand how it's going to reduce infla- uh, inflation by uh, increasing the amount of uh, IRS agents. I don't see how it's relevant. And, and uh, increasing corporate taxes are just going to defer that tax to the customer. I'm not getting it. Help me out, if you could. Yeah, you, no, you, I, I can't help you out because I can't get you past the truth, which is they have named the bill the exact opposite of what the bill will actually do. It will increase inflation. Uh, that's not just my opinion. Uh, that's the analysis that's been done by the OMB. It's been done by the uh, bipartisan committee that evaluates all bills that come through Congress. And you're absolutely right. Is is there 87,000 uh, IRS agents going to decrease inflation? The answer is no. Uh, it increases the uh, the budget, the cost of the IRS. Uh, if it increases it, their efficiency, great. That would be fantastic. But let's not pretend that spending a whole lot more money uh, is going to cut expenses or that spending a whole lot more money is going to cut inflation. It simply isn't. So you're, you are reading this just as I am, just as many people who have looked at it very carefully uh, have uh, determined as well. It does not cut inflation in the long run. It will rise. It will uh, increase inflation. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say one other thing before I hang up. Uh, uh, the, the last call I was talking about the uh, digital currency. I think what he was referring to was uh, it's Executive fourteen six zero seven, ensuring responsible development of digital assets. It's called, and uh, I guess the one CIA XCIA official was saying something about it, it could be the end of digital currency. I, that, that, I think that's what he's referring to. That may very well be. We'll take a look and uh, see what we can bring back next week. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you, my friend. God bless. Six one zero seventy nine hundred. Six one zero seven two zero seventy nine hundred. Yeah, having the entire phone number is way better than just part of the phone number. Uh, Gene at askmtm.com. Steve writes: The IRS is so far behind technology-wise; they're still in the twentieth century. As to hiring eighty-seven thousand agents, they won't find ten thousand. The IRS has been losing experienced agents at an alarming rate. Getting any any answers is purely coincidental. That's really good. And uh, Steve's point about losing agents is absolutely correct. I saw uh, in a quick review this morning that at 79,000, I think they're 9% below uh, current allocation. So they would be somewhere in the six or 7,000 agents less than they uh, are currently budgeted for. Um. He also goes on to say pretty soon only half of the population will be paying any federal income tax. That's a good way to eliminate the need for contact Uh, businesses, better duck, small businesses, especially 
uh, that is uh, certainly an interesting observation. Uh, it is already at the point where less than half of Americans pay tax. Um, and just one of the most misguided um, um, fiscal policies ever embarked upon the idea that every human being that benefits from the government uh, doesn't participate in some way, shape, or form. Um, just uh, It does two things. Number one, it robs um, half of America of its uh, of its membership, of its dignity, of its um, investment in the outcome of uh, the political state, literally robs them. Um, I hand this to you for free. You don't deserve it. You certainly are not capable. We just find you so sad and so ineffective and so such a loser mentality. We've got to cover that for you. Yes, you're very welcome because you're just, you're incapable. You're just not, you know, worthy of even collecting a hundred dollar bill from you. Hmm. We'll take care of you just like we used to down on the plantation. Oh yeah. Plantation. I don't care where you live. There's still plantations. If you're being taken care of, by the master and being told what you can and can't spend, where you can and can't go, what you will or won't wear. Hmm. Sounds reminiscent of a bygone era that was, we all prayed was bygone forever, but it's been resurrected in the form of political expediency. Tell me what an amazing impact it would be psychically on, on the pride and, and the commitment of everyone. If there was a minimum, forget the highest tax bracket. How about a minimum tax bracket? How about 1%? Hey, somebody who's uh, really, really hurting. I get it. Yeah, I'm only making 20 grand a year. I don't know where you're working if you're only making 20 grand a year because there are jobs everywhere now, but call it 20 grand a year. 1% is 200 bucks for the defense of your nation, for roads and sidewalks, for the uh, first responders. The list goes on and on. Are you not willing to contribute 1%? I think the vast majority of Americans would say, sure we are. Absolutely we are. And in the absence of folks who are willing to say, yeah, uh, up till now, not only have I paid zero, but lots of us are getting tax credits back because the government has determined that we're just not able. We are, we are just not able. We have to be dependent. If uh, anyone with the announcement that now everyone pays minimum 1%. Somebody says, I, I really don't think I can do that. Yeah, then you got other issues. Other issues. 610-720-7900. Gene at askmtm.com. Morethanmoneyonline.com. My husband and I are planning to retire at the end of next year. Fantastic. That's great. Uh, we have a home worth of about 400000 a mortgage balance of one forty five, with an interest rate of three and a quarter. Really, really good. 
Our question is, should we take a chunk of our retirement money and pay off the mortgage, or should we keep it for a tax deduction? Hmm. Um, Okay. Um, Hopefully, it's okay if my answer is none of the above. Uh, let's let's think kind of out loud for a moment. If they're planning on retiring at the end of next year, let's and and it's obviously not in the email, but I'm, I'm going to put some numbers to this and see if we can get a a good demonstration going. Let's assume for a moment that their normal retirement age, uh, Social Security, so they're plus or minus 68 years old. Uh, with any luck at all, one of them will be around for the next 30 years. Maybe both, maybe longer. Wouldn't that be great? And the concern I have about taking a chunk out of their retirement money to pay off a $145,000 mortgage is that in order to get $145,000, they're going to need to pay tax on some larger amount, depending on their tax bracket. And of course, adding one hundred and forty, uh, adding one hundred and fifty, sixty thousand dollars to their taxable income will um, push them most likely into a higher uh, bracket. And of course, as soon as I said that, I was hoping I would have uh, yes, married filing jointly, even if we just assumed that they had one hundred and. 78,000 of income, they're in the 24% bracket. So to get 140 out, they have to take out, goodness, um, 170, 175, rough numbers. And that's $175,000 that's gone uh, for the next 30 plus years. It's 175,000 that if it were well invested, Uh, let's pick a number and say it earned an average of 6% a year for the next um, 30 years. Again, not guaranteed, just using a good demonstration number. Uh, 6% on 170,000 is roughly $10,000 a year for 30. That's 300,000. That's just the earnings. So if they took all that money out to pay off their mortgage in one block, they would in essence be... uh, um, if if we follow the analogy of the golden goose, they would be cutting a big chunk out of the goose, meaning the goose's eggs would be much smaller over the next 30 years, $10,000 a year shorter. Uh, with a little luck, make it simple math, a thousand bucks a month disappears. Now, I don't know what their mortgage payment is, my guess is is much less than a thousand bucks a month. One of the things I would suggest if they're really committed to this process is not taking the big chunk out, but take out enough on a monthly basis to pay the mortgage. Uh, I don't know how many years they have left, but even if they had 30 years, let's say they refinanced. No, no, they didn't because recent refinances would be five and a half, not three and a quarter. So let's assume that they have 25 years left. Fantastic. Uh, Take out enough each month that you can pay the tax that's required and have enough left over to pay the mortgage payment. That way you'll keep your tax deduction. So taking some money out of your IRA and then having some of that, not all of that, but some of that 
tax deductible for uh, interest on your mortgage if indeed you get a tax deduction for that. In many cases, people don't. I'll circle back to that in a moment. But assuming for a second that you do, that will soften uh, that uh, negative impact. Uh, It will uh, keep your tax bracket hopefully lower, in many cases much lower, and will allow you to keep the golden goose healthy, intact, full-bodied, et cetera, et cetera. I think you follow the point. So now let's talk about the tax deduction for a second. The vast majority of Americans, particularly in retirement now, are not deducting the interest on their mortgage. They're also not deducting their medical payments. They're also not deducting their charitable uh, contributions because they're not itemizing. According to the head of our tax division, Diane, if that is her real name, the vast majority of the folks who are filing those tax returns in retirement are taking the standard deduction because the standard deduction is so much higher than what their itemized deductions would be. So keeping your mortgage for a tax deduction is a very bad idea. Uh, Taking a big chunk of money out of your retirement plan is probably an equally bad idea. Now, one item that we haven't discussed that for many of you who have been loyal listeners for a long time might quickly kind of raise the question, and that's uh, reverse mortgage. I think it's a pretty reasonable thing to consider. If you are both over age 62, if you're going to retire next year, we guess that you're 68. Um, uh, A reverse mortgage is something you should explore learn about, determine the pros and cons, figure out where it might fit. Because if the key is not so much having your home paid for, the peace of mind, the no more mortgage payments, isn't this great? Uh, If that's the key, a reverse mortgage may very well fit that bill. 610-720-7900. Gene at askmtm.com. Your calls are much appreciated, uh, very much indeed. A couple of housekeeping tips. Markets up for July. Markets up the first half of August. Very, very good numbers. Hopefully you're benefiting from that. Keep Alyssa uh, Young and her daughter, Juliana, and her entire family uh, in your prayers as they are traveling overseas and uh, keep them safe. Uh, we're heading down to uh, Douglasville, Arrowhead Golf Course this afternoon, uh, raising some funds for a family who has lost their father. Keep us in your prayers there as well. Uh, September 9th, circle that for our Folds of Honor event at our More Than Money World Headquarters. That entire week, starting, I think, Tuesday, we have live events every day that week. Uh, Vinart, Hotel Bethlehem, Ritz Barbecue, uh, More Than Money, and Relic Hunter. So wherever you find yourself uh, geographically, or if if you're really wonderful, every single day you can go someplace different and hang out with us, help us raise funds, encourage your friends to come along, uh, let us know how that might work. And I think that covers all our details. Okay. What the, that's this one. And then we go back to this one. Our daughter is planning to marry a man who has gotten himself into a big hole with his money. 
As the father of three daughters, as soon as I read that, I go, oh. We're not allowed to just kill them. No, we're not. That's, I checked. I actually checked. Yeah. Uh, if we understand correctly, he owes on his mortgage, two car loans, student loans, and many credit cards. Yay! She doesn't want to set a date until he gets his debt under control. A few years back, we heard you mention a plan. I think you called it the snowball plan uh, for getting out of debt. Uh, could you please tell us how that works and how fast he can get out of debt? Uh, thank you for any help that you can provide them. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, before I take credit for something that isn't mine, far be it for me. <laughs> I thought I could get away with it. Um, this is a, a type of plan that has been, um, advocated by lots of, of, of pretty bright financial minds for many, many years. Dave Ramsey has made it kind of a, uh, a centerpiece of his financial peace university training. Um, but there are lots and lots of folks who have used this over the years, um, to, uh, assist individuals who have gotten themselves into financial difficulty as this young man apparently has, um, the thing that throws me is two car loans. Why would he have two cars? Or, or maybe, yeah, don't know. At any rate, um, he has a mortgage, two car loans, student loans, and many credit cards. Yee, yee, yee. So the snowball idea is, is, is kind of interesting because there are lots of financial experts, if so to speak, uh, who will uh, be adamant that the way you pay off debt is you pay off the highest interest rate debt first. So if you have a credit card that's got a 24% uh, interest rate, you pay that off first, and then you work your way down until you are paying off the lowest interest rate. Uh, the snowball says, eh, that's one way to do it, but it's maybe not the best way to do it. The best way uh, is to set up a list of your debts from smallest to biggest and identify the minimum payments that need to be made to stay current on everything. So one, two, three, four, uh, was many credit cards. What would many credit cards be? Let's call it three, yeah. seven debts. So you'd have a spreadsheet. They would list the seven debts. And it would be listed in um, order of smallest balance to largest balance. So just for demonstration purposes, we'll say that the smallest balance is a $1,400 credit card and the largest balance is a $250,000 mortgage. Just, just picking numbers. And you add up your minimum payments. So from $1,400, the minimum payment might be 30 bucks a month. You will never pay it off at that. And the mortgage payment might be uh, $1,500 a month. So from smallest to largest. And the idea is that you set yourself up so that in the initial uh, run, uh, you pay the minimum payments for everything to stay current. And then you make um, sacrifices. You make disciplined choices 
you start saving money wherever you can save money. In Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey even suggests you sell everything you have that's not nailed down. You have a huge yard sale. You, you literally sell stuff um, to raise cash. If you're currently contributing to a 401k, you stop. If you're currently putting money into an IRA, you stop. If you're currently paying ahead on your mortgage, you stop. Because the snowball effect says this. You start with the smallest one, $1,400 uh, in balance, $30 minimum payment, and you have a huge yard sale, and you end up paying that entire $1,400 off in one month. Fantastic. Now you take the $30 minimum payment that you were uh, committed to for the first one. Now you're down to six debts. And you add that 30 to the minimum payment that you're paying on the second debt. And let's say the second debt was a $3,000 credit card. And now instead of what was a $45 minimum, you're paying 75. And again, you are looking for every opportunity uh, to save money to put money back in your pocket. So <clears throat> you dig out your bicycle. You don't drive quite as much. And right now, if you're not driving quite as much, you're going to save a lot of money. If you can save a gallon a day, you're saving 50 bucks a week. You're saving $200 a month. You add that to the minimum payment. So you're already up to 75 bucks. You're saving $200 on gas. Now you're making a $275 payment against debt number two and that debt should be gone in something approximating what nine months ten months now or i don't think it'll be three that'd be pretty quick but say ten months and now you turn to debt number three and you're taking the original 30 plus 45 plus the minimum payment on debt number three you see how this ends up that the snowball effect is that you're payment on each subsequent um, debt becomes larger and larger. And if you really embrace this entire uh, operation, this entire process, it gets really exciting because you can track it literally on a month by month basis. You can start with, in this case, uh, let's pick a number, say that his total debt's $300,000. At, at the end of the first month, it may only go down $2,000. That's fantastic. That's, that's fantastic. At the end of two months, it, it may be down $2,800, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because if you're making minimum payments, particularly on your mortgage, you're actually gaining equity. So it becomes, hmm, some people say it's like eating peanuts. You just can't stop. Uh, for me, it's, it's lime Doritos. Oof, they're so good. A hint of lime. Uh, start, can't stop. You really, it, it becomes uh, not just a, 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 a process and a discipline, but it becomes a real source of pride. Uh, we've seen folks go through this and eliminate all of their debt, including their mortgage, in, in under six years. All of their debt. You say, how is that possible, even their mortgage? Well, if you, if you start this deeply in debt, and you're making the minimum payments, and then you roll all of those payments up into your mortgage, your mortgage being number seven on, on this gentleman's list, instead of paying 1500 a month, you might be paying three grand. 
you, you might be really chunking away. We wish them the best. I appreciate your daughter's commitment. She's not going to marry this guy until he gets his acting gear. <laughs> Sorry. 610-720-7900. Gene at AskMTM.com. Taking your calls, your emails after this on More Than Money. Welcome back to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your host, your personal financial advisor, flying solo this morning as Alyssa Young and her family are traveling overseas, so please keep them in your prayers for safe travel. Uh, Alyssa not not letting any grass grow under her feet momentarily will uh, kick you into an interview that she conducted this week. Lots of you are asking about ways to invest money without taking tremendous amounts of risk. They... Uh, Real conundrum has always been as the market turns lower, which it does on regular occasion. Oh, my gosh. Um, two or three years out of 10, you can count on the stock market being lower. The question for folks who get nervous is, do we get out? And then the bigger question is, when do we get back in? Because if you don't get in in the correct timing, you could lose dramatically. For example... This past six weeks, no, who, who back in June was talking about the market rebounding? Almost nobody. <laughs> All right, John was, but almost nobody else. John's pretty psychic that way. Well, psychotic. Well, anyway, um, very few folks expected that July would be a positive month or that August would continue that. And yet, if you look at the overall numbers, your investments could be up six, seven, eight percent. What does that mean? Well, if you started the year at a, at one hundred and twenty thousand, and at the end of June you were down to a hundred, you're going, oh, geez, what a mess! This is dreadful. I'm really, really, really unhappy. I think what I'm going to do is just take a breather and put my money in cash. If you were very lucky, somebody said, please don't do that. You've got long-term investments. It's appropriate for you to be in the market and. Um, you, you've, you've got a good strategy, use your plan and stick with it. Well, um, your 120 became a hundred, your hundred might've become 106, 107, 108. And, and you have recouped a tremendous amount of that decline, but, but it, it came out of nowhere. It came out of the blue. Well, uh, there are investment platforms that allow for investment in the market with some protection against the market. That's what Alyssa was exploring this week. Sir. 
Hi, Jean. This week, I spent time talking with Michael Parati, a sales consultant with Innovator, to teach our listeners more about one of the ways we can build downside protection into their portfolios. Thank you for joining me, Mike. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Alyssa. It's a pleasure. So we've been using the term buffered ETFs to describe these investments, but officially they're called defined outcome ETFs. Can you begin by telling people what is a defined outcome ETF? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at a very high level, um, a defined outcome ETF is designed to give investors exposure to the largest, most broad-based benchmark indices. So think like the S&P 500 or uh, the NASDAQ 100 um, with, uh, with known parameters. So in other words, the ability to uh, participate in any um, potential uh, growth in those indices uh, up to a predetermined cap in exchange for a known or a defined level of downside protection. So um, a, a lot of people like to refer to this as benchmark indexing investing, but with guardrails. Uh, so simply put the ability to know um, your potential outcomes prior to investing. Ah, okay. Now we've been using the term to describe those that downside protection. We've been using the term buffer. Can you explain to people what does buffer mean? Yeah. So um, really simply, a buffer um, is essentially protection um, or a hedge against losses. Um, and so again, with all of our our buffer ETFs, they're going to incorporate uh, some degree of buffer or downside protection against potential market losses. Okay. So if you have a buffer of 20%, say, and the index goes down 25% during your outcome period, what does the investor expect to, to receive or what, what, how does that translate into, um, you know, their, their returns? Yeah, it's a good question. So in that scenario that you gave, uh, an investor would expect to be down 5% at the end of their outcome period. So the way the buffer works is you are protected against the first you know, X percentage of losses. So in your example, 20%. Anything beyond that, the investor does um, take on. So uh, if the you know index is down 15% or 20%, you're fully protected, but anything beyond that, you do start to take on losses one-to-one -one with the index. Okay, thank you. So why would an investor want these ETFs in his or her portfolio? And where do they fit into the mix, like on the equity side or on the fixed income side, for example? So I think um, for, for most investors, I, I think the reason why um, they, they might consider these, and I think the reason why um, these have become um, quite popular uh, of late is, is really the ability to add um, a high degree of predictability or certainty um, within an investment portfolio. So I, I think that's especially important from a risk management standpoint. Um, you know, the, the traditional defensive part of an investor's portfolio, that's where you really want something that um, is going to be predictable. It's going to be stable. You, you want to know kind of what you're going to get and you don't want surprises. And so something um, that has a defined level of protection, um, I think is really compelling for investors that crave predictability, especially within the defensive or risk management 
um, part of their portfolios. Um, and I think that kind of leads into, you know, where does this fit into a portfolio? You mentioned, you know, is it more commonly viewed as an equity solution or as a, as a bond solution? Um, from our perspective, and, and, and I want to be clear that I, I don't think there's necessarily a right or a wrong way uh, to implement a defined outcome or a buffer ETF into a portfolio. But I do think um, that generally speaking, because these are designed uh, for risk management, they belong in a part of your portfolio where your expectations um, or where your goals are more aligned with that risk management objective. And so, um, you know, I, I think at a very high level, uh, especially this year, we've seen a lot of investors um, maybe carve out a little bit of their, their equity allocation, um, just given some of the challenges um, in the equity markets, um, but then maybe also carve out a little bit of their traditional bond exposure um, and essentially create kind of this, this new kind of bucket within their portfolio. Um, you know, call it a defined outcome bucket or a risk management bucket where the goal is to produce uh, more bond-like uh, risk profile, but with the potential for more equity-like uh, upside. Hmm. So yeah, it does sound like a hybrid of sorts when you look at uh, it that way. Absolutely. So for whom are these products most appropriate? Yeah, again, I would say anyone who is looking for uh, dedicated risk management solutions. Um, so I think some some common um, types of investors might be retirees or pre-retirees, um, you know, maybe a, a business owner who uh, just had a liquidity event and um, they're sitting on a pile of cash and they don't want to necessarily invest that in the markets, um, you know, given some of the, the challenges there, um, you know, they want the potential growth, um, you know, of the equity markets, but with a, a risk profile that they're more comfortable with. Um, I would say, you know, those are the types of investors that I think are going to be, um, you know, they're going to gravitate to a, a risk management solution like this, um, probably more so than, you know, a growth oriented investor who is really comfortable with the big ups and downs in a market. That's that's probably not who, who the strategy would be um, designed for. Okay, yeah. And to kind of elaborate on that, um, maybe, you know, whether it's just somebody who is willing to take more risk or accustomed to more risk, or maybe even looking at kind of a, a typical risk profile, somebody who's younger and has a lot more time to ride out the highs and lows of the market might not need to, you know, mitigate the risk in their profile in their portfolio as much. So maybe these wouldn't be their first go-to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and that's why we say like retirees and pre-retirees um, have, have really, I think, gravitated towards these solutions because, um, you know, their, their investment kind of timeline is, is probably a lot different, um, you know, than someone who might still be, you know, 20, 30 years from retirement and their objectives are different and their ability to withstand those really big potential drawdowns in the equity markets, um, are, are probably not the same as, again, that investor who has a significantly longer time horizon. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Um, what are the negatives or downsides of owning these securities? Yeah. So I think um, really the, the, the primary consideration um, when evaluating you know, these types of solutions is going to be the fact that um, you know, there is no free lunch. In order to get something, in this case, a defined level of downside protection, 
you have to give something up. And what you're giving up is the potential for any um, return or performance on the upside above that predetermined cap. So, you know, again, I think it's important to note that investors know what these parameters are ahead of time so they, they can go into their um, their you know purchase of this investment solution knowing exactly what that upside cap is but again this kind of goes back to why we think it's important to consider where you might use this inside a portfolio and for those investors i think who um, specifically are considering using uh, a buffer etf as a potential equity solution I think you do need to be a very considerate of the fact that you do have a cap and you could find yourself in a situation where you know you've got a 20% cap and the equity markets finish the outcome period up 30%. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and anything above that cap um is going to be considered underperformance. But again, oh, this yeah. is something that our you know the average investor uh is is willing to give up. They are they're willing to give up the potential upside beyond that cap in exchange for that known level of downside protection. Right. So that you, that return you're giving up is the cost or the price that you pay for the level of protection. Exactly. Um, do you recommend a particular allocation in defined outcome ETFs to properly protect a portfolio without limiting its upside opportunity too much? You know, this is a very subjective, um, I think, question, um, or I think the response here would be quite subjective. And so I, I think, you know, what I would recommend to your your listeners is first and foremost, I think it would be beneficial for them to 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 talk to a financial advisor um, to, to, you know, kind of analyze their unique circumstances, their unique um kind of situation. Um, and I think that will largely determine what an appropriate allocation to a defined outcome solution would be. But I would say generally speaking, um, you know, probably anywhere between like, you know, 20 and 30 uh, percent of a portfolio. Um, we think generally speaking, these types of solutions are most appropriate as complements to traditional um, asset allocation. So not necessarily a total replacement, um, for traditional assets, but again, as a complement, something that can be used alongside traditional core equity exposure or traditional uh, bond exposure. Okay, great. Now, for those who are intrigued and want to geek out a little, we can get a bit more technical briefly. Can you explain how these work? Like, what are the mechanics? When someone says that sounds too good to be true, um, explain to them why it's not. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So at at the end of the day, um, what we're doing is actually um, fairly simple. These are um, options-based risk management solutions. And so the the way in which we deliver this defined outcome uh, to shareholders is through the use of a fairly basic option strategy. And I can walk you through that very simply. And for a lot of your uh, listeners, this might be a little bit too much in the weeds, but I'll do my best to keep this um, pretty simple. So um, you can think of um, the the strategy in terms of three distinct um, options layers or three layers to the strategy. So layer one is going to be 
uh, a deep in the money call, which is what establishes your long exposure to um, the, the underlying uh, reference asset or index. So for example, the S&P 500. Um, we then need to add a level of protection to that exposure. So um, for example, a 15% level of protection. We do that through the use of puts. Uh, it's, it's referred to as a put spread um, in the industry. And so that, that protection, that put spread, it has a cost associated with it. It's not free. And so in order to finance that downside protection, we are going to sell a call, and that's going to be the third and final layer of the strategy. And that sold call does two things. It's what um, offsets the cost of the downside protection. It's also what creates the cap for your upside participation. So um, this, for, for those of your listeners who might be more familiar with options, um, it's it's essentially a collar um, strategy. And so again, it's, it's, it's a fairly simple strategy. Um, in fact, uh, we didn't even necessarily uh, create the strategy itself. Um, you know, defined outcome investing has been available to investors uh, for quite some time in the form of uh, think like bank and insurance products, like structured notes, index and buffer annuities. Um, we simply believe that for many investors, the ETF wrapper is going to be a far more benefit-rich vehicle uh, for delivering that defined outcome. Okay, great. Thank you. That's a great explanation. Um, you mentioned the reference asset uh, in one of if one of your recent responses there, and I wanted to ask you about that specifically because there are various flavors of these ETFs. And one of the choices that we have is which index uh, it will reference. So from the S&P 500 to the NASDAQ, the Russell 2000, there's international indices, and even a new edition of Tesla stock. So how should an investor decide which index to use? Yeah. So so again, we, we offer exposure to the largest, most common you know, benchmark indices out there. So again, the S&P 500, um, the Qs, which are going to be essentially large cap growth, uh, the Russell 2000, so like small mid cap stocks, MSCI developed international and MSCI emerging markets. So I would say that most investors today are going to have exposure to um, several, if not all of these types of asset classes or indices um, within a well-diversified equity portfolio. And so um, I think at the end of the day, um, this is ultimately a conversation for um, you know, your listeners to have with their financial advisor to determine you know, what um, exposure uh, they should have to, you know, for example, large cap growth or small cap stocks or emerging markets. But again, at the end of the day, we wanted to offer these defined outcomes on the most popular benchmark indices um, that the average investor is typically going to have exposure to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. That was a lot of information. And we really appreciate your ongoing support for our advisors on behalf of our appreciative clients. Uh, of course, as with everything, our listeners here on More Than Money, uh, we welcome people to call the MTM World Headquarters to learn more about and discuss uh, whether defined outcome ETFs are a good fit for their unique situation. So thank you, Mike. Thank you, Alyssa. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with your listeners today. Great. Back to you, Gene. Well done, indeed. Well done um, across the board, Alyssa, asking all the, uh, gosh, 
insightful questions and, and Michael giving us a lot of great information. Um, for some of you, um, getting into the weeds, as Michael said, um, is into the mechanics of how the options work, whether it's a, uh, uh, a put, a call, an option, a collar, a spread. Whew, that's a lot. What's important uh, from that discussion is not that there's going to be a quiz, because there's not. Not for you. Not for you. For folks who are um, uh, committed to having a comfort level, having done their homework, having understood what they're investing in, I think it's very, very, very important. And it is, yes, uh, some terminology, some vocabulary is a little um, what, uh, unusual, not part of your everyday vocabulary, but certainly not anything that you can't pick up and, and understand the impact of, uh, understanding that if you, uh, uh, know that you can, uh, in the world of finance, buy an option that will protect, uh, an investment, whether it's a stock or an index down to a certain level, um, um whether that be a relatively modest, uh, protection, 5 or 10%, or an extreme protection, 30, 35, 40, even 50%. Um, there's, there's the cost of purchasing that option. Uh, the upside um, is, is uh, then available to investors with whatever funds are left over after providing the protection. Protection in the Buffett ETF world is the number one priority, protection. So if you are the kind of person who's saying, hey, from an from a investment standpoint, uh, yeah, I'm interested in protection. Uh, in the past, that would have uh, led us almost 100% of the time to some form of an annuity, uh, fixed annuity, fixed indexed annuity, uh, that type of protection, and now there are alternatives. So, again, I think Alyssa said it very, very well as she wrapped her interview with Michael. Um, if you uh, are the uh, type of investor that is um, inclined towards the more conservative, inclined towards the more protected, uh, then exploring, exploring the pros and the cons of buffered ETFs makes a great deal of sense. 610-720-7900, gene at askmtm.com, morethanmoneyonline.com. Kind of following up, uh, apparently, on my, my answer to an earlier email, a uh, gentleman writes, uh, we've been looking at reverse mortgages. My wife and I are both 67, recently retired. It seems to me that reverse mortgages are such a good deal. Lots of money you don't have to pay back. That's kind of an interesting definition right there. Why wouldn't everyone do it? Well, um, there are a fair number of situations where it doesn't work at all. Um, uh, I'll give you one off the top of my head that, that um, fits um, my family situation. I'm uh, slightly older than my wife. Slightly it's a rounding error. It's just a modest number. I am slightly older than my wife. If the younger spouse uh, is not yet 62, then um, getting a reverse mortgage on your personal residence is likely 
either not possible or a challenge. So that might be a reason why you wouldn't uh, do that. Uh, number two, if there's uh, adult children in the home, uh, and uh, in today's world, I met with a gentleman last week. He has three grown sons, uh, 26, 24, 22. They all live at home. So the idea that if something should happen to him uh, or him and his wife, that the home would be taken for the reverse mortgage is problematic because they have adult children in the home. Uh, another issue would be if you want to keep the home in the family, if it's a legacy issue. Uh, in many ways, we um, kind of hope, um, look forward to our property as kind of a legacy, multiple generations. Then you would not want a reverse mortgage that would need to be paid off when um, mom and dad have left the home. Um, if you're moving soon, if you're considering making a move um, in retirement, then you certainly don't want a reverse mortgage because the upfront cost would be recouped uh, very, very quickly and um, would be not in your best interest. Um, if, if you're in poor health, if you're in poor health, uh, that would not be appropriate either because, uh, the, sadly, the quicker quicker you have that you get to uh, uh, the point where the good Lord calls you home, the uh, quicker the reverse mortgage is uh, is due. And again, since the upfront costs are substantial, you want to make sure that this is a longer term plan. Oh, and, and that kind of, I guess, would, would wrap me up with if you have a short term need, if you're saying, hey, I, I need um, 50 grand for a year or two. Yeah, please don't do a reverse mortgage. A, a, a home equity line of credit would make a great deal more sense. Again, because of the cost structure, reverse mortgages are front-end loaded in terms of their fees, so it's not likely that would be in your best interest. So, what, a half a dozen or so reasons why you might not want a reverse mortgage. Um, if none of those, by the way, apply to you, you might very well want a reverse <laughs> mortgage. You're going, yep, house is uh, free and clear. We're in great health. It's where we're going to be for our retirement. Uh, kids are scattered. Uh, we don't want a mortgage payment, but we want that extra cash. Yeah, that's called a reverse mortgage. Good music. This, uh, as as uh, loyal listeners will know, we're we're evolving away from some of the some of the old, some of the stayed. Yeah, it's good stuff. 610-720-7900. We have Bob on hold for right after the break. Gene at AskMTM.com. We'll take your calls, your emails after this on More Than Money. Can't wait to figure out how that all kind of weaves together. That's Frankenstein, right? Yeah. And 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 we're going out with Stevie Wonder Superstitious. Yeah. Okay. 
Okie dokie. All right. Oh, awkward. I I I'm miss. I'm, it's fantastic. A lot of energy. A lot of energy. Six one zero seven two zero seventy nine hundred. We'll go to the phones here momentarily. When you've got to be aware, we're going to uh, give you a very special piece of music at the end of the show, which means we have less than nineteen minutes left in this edition of More Than Money. So take advantage quickly. Six one zero seven two zero seventy nine hundred. We go to the phones. We talk to Bob. Bob, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a question about treasuries. What's the pros and cons of the two or the ten year treasury? Treasury. Yeah, right now the two year is paying more than the ten year. So you would not buy a ten year treasury. You would buy a two year treasury. Uh, in my opinion, there are other folks who are saying that uh, interest rates are going to drop a lot. They are very few folks saying that. We all believe, the folks that we trust believe, that interest rates are going to rise, particularly over the next couple of years, perhaps even a bit longer. So a two-year treasury right now would be a pretty uh, reasonable uh, investment for a conservative investor or some conservative piece of an investment portfolio. Um, they can be purchased, uh, gosh, online brokerages. They can be purchased in investment accounts through financial advisors or through stockbrokers. Uh, you, uh, you have a lot of options. You can buy them individually, which uh, in many cases can be pretty helpful, or you can buy them in packages. There are investment groups that sell um, treasuries uh, in uh, either exchange-traded funds or mutual fund packages uh, so you've, you've got a lot of options. Uh, but again, I would stay uh, two years or so on that side rather than longer, uh, just because right now you're going to get a higher interest rate and you'll get your money back quicker. So as things unfold, you'll, you'll have uh, uh, the, the, uh, the option of, of changing gears uh, in, uh, in a couple of years if need be. And are you, do you folks have them available at your Oh, yeah. Office. yeah, they're available. Gosh, you, you, of course we do as full service financial advisors. We absolutely do. But but literally any quality financial advisor, uh, any online investment um, brokerage can can assist you in, in, in getting treasuries. Do you feel like they're a pretty with the way things are right now, a safe investment? Oh, they're very safe. There's no question about that. The concern would be to make sure, number one, that they're appropriate for you, that they fit into your investment philosophy, your investment strategy, that they meet your needs. Uh, that That's number one. And number two, recognizing that with inflation uh, being so very high currently, uh, if you're locking in a two-year treasury at just under 3% a year, if inflation continues at the rate that sadly people expect, even if they're doing, if inflation comes down, it's still going to be higher than you're going to get on a two-year treasury. So it'll be safe. It'll be secure. Your principal will be intact. Uh, but it might very well be that two years from now, your, your purchasing power has, uh, has been eroded. Okay. Thank you, Gene. I oh, appreciate it. You're very welcome, Bob. You take care. God bless. 610-720-7900. Back to the phones. We talked to Gary. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Gene. How are you doing this great morning? Very, very, very well, sir. How may we serve you? Well, I, uh, I've been reading some uh, 
literature on I-bonds lately. And I know that uh, it's limited to $10,000. You can just buy it online. Um, <clears throat> and I've got a master plan. And under the, the stalwart guidance of Joe Biden, I expect the inflation rate to be pretty high, which is what governs the I-bonds, if I'm correct. Correct. Uh, and so, you know, right now, I guess it's, it's hovering around 9%. My correct. thinking is that I, I guess you have to keep it a year or you get nothing. Uh, and then after the year, there's if I would cash it in, let's say, on the 13th month, uh, I would pay. Well, I guess it would have to be longer than a year and a half. Uh, I would pay three months penalty. Mm -hmm. Now, my thinking is if we've got two years of Joe Biden, so it's probably going to be high inflation. After that time, I guess it, it adjusts every six months. At that point, if I would see uh, I would get to a point of like, let's say my my bottom limit is five percent. If it would get to five percent, I would get out of it, pay the three months, but I would still be getting that uh, that percentage above the five percent, nine, eight, whatever I determine would be within my my range. Is, is that correct thinking at all? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely right. I, I, I'm following you 100 percent and I'm nodding my head in agreement. Very good. OK, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Gary. Thank you. God bless. Indeed. He, Gary's got it exactly right. Uh, and, and for folks who have um, not objected, but folks who have said, well, now, wait a second. Yeah, 9 percent, but it's only guaranteed for six months. What if it goes to zero? You should pray to your good Lord that it goes to zero because that means inflation dropped off the cliff and we're back to a wonderful, wonderful financial system. <sighs> uh, do you believe that you think that's going to happen? I, I think it's far more likely that if you're, if you're in at nine for, for six months that, that in the second six months, you'll see six, maybe five, let's say it's five. Well, if, if you go nine for six and five for, for, for six, you, you, you've got an average of 7%. It's lovely. If you've got cash, capital, money sitting in the bank, paying zero squared, uh, then 7% for a year, perfectly acceptable. And again, even if it drops dramatically thereafter, uh, Gary's absolutely right. Um, the penalty is very, very modest. And if it's my understanding, if you hold it the full five years, there's no penalty. You come and go as you please. And if uh, things stay as they are, ugh, please, but if they stay as they are, ugh, please, um, inflation could be around that, that length of time. And even if it becomes very, very, very modest, let's say it drops to two or three percent, you're not going to earn zero. And you're not going to lose principal. So for folks who are quite conservative, uh, Gary's done his research and, and done his homework and, and understands this quite well. So I would suggest you do the same thing. And, of course, if you have questions about how that might function, just let us know. Happy to assist you. Uh, let me see. Twelve minutes left in this edition of More Than Money. 610-720-7900. Gene at AskM tm.com i'm going to go to that momentarily before i forget i want to just make sure we cover all of our housekeeping items uh markets up lovely another good week in the markets this past week um the inflation number was not great but it was better 
that was one of the motivating factors. The jobs uh, report last week was great. Uh, lots of pinpoints of light. We talk about light at the end of the tunnel. I can see pinpoints of light. I am not saying that's full-blown sunshine. I'm saying pinpoints of light to give you cautious optimism. Uh, Folds of Honor on September 9th at our More Than Money World headquarters. Uh, please join us. And if you are so inclined, we would welcome your sponsorships offering um, the ability to raise some funds that we can use as matching money would be very, uh, very, very much appreciated. I want to thank Michael Parati from uh, Innovator Funds for his interview with Alyssa that we uh, aired in the 9 o'clock segment. If you missed that, you missed learning a great deal about buffered ETFs. So please uh, check that out. Our uh, show this week's this week's show will be posted to our website Monday at noon. Uh, and you can check that out uh, through the podcast. 610-720-7900 is the number John has called. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I have a question for you. I don't know. Smart move. If you have some credit card debt, is it good to take a loan from your 401k to pay that off? Yeah, it is. It is certainly tempting. It is certainly something that a lot of people will evaluate because typically the interest rate that you're paying on a 401k loan is relatively low and in many cases very low compared to a credit card uh, bill. If it's a yeah. relatively small number, uh, my inclination would be no. If it's a relatively larger number, my inclination would be probably a good idea, but only if you're committed to not re-entering that same kind of a, a of a pickle in the future. You've got to fix the underlying problem that created uh, the, the high credit card debt to begin with. Uh, uh, otherwise, you're going to end up with a 401k loan and a recurringly new high credit card debt. Yeah, because I know you pay yourself back interest. You know, I always said, oh, that couldn't be bad. Well, it actually could be bad. If last year you were paying yourself interest back to your 401k, you probably paid 3%. And if you had your money well invested in your 401k last year, you made 20%. So yeah. it, paying yourself back uh, borrowing your own money and paying yourself back costs you. Uh, if if you picked, I'm picking a number. You borrowed twenty thousand bucks. It costs you almost thirty five hundred dollars that you should have earned that that you didn't because you were locked into a low interest rate. Okay. Oh, thanks. Uh, you're very 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 welcome, John. Thanks for the call. Uh, it's it is a tempting issue borrowing from your own 401k. If your 401k is not very well invested, if it's not performing very well, uh, it is more tempting because you're saying, hey, the investments are kind of stinky anyway. I'd rather get three or 4%. In general, not a great idea. Uh, in general, a far better idea is to make sure that your 401k is well invested. And for some folks, that is a head scratcher of the first order and really does cause them a lot of stress and anxiety. The reality is that uh, if you were to sit with a financial advisor for probably less than an hour, you could have a 401k strategy that probably will do very nicely for you. Um, on rare occasion, it happens. We, we had one recently where a gentleman brought in his 401k, and to be honest, the, the, the investment lineup kind of was, was stinky. It was... Um, and embarrassingly so, 
uh, 401k investments um, can be world class. And, and it has nothing to do with the size of uh, the company involved. Uh, uh, more than money, MTM Financial Group has a 401k plan that is world class. It is, we, we have the assistance of our payroll system through, uh, through paychecks and, and through uh, a tremendous uh, uh, structure um, designed almost exclusively, almost uh, completely by uh, Mark Belsack in our office. Uh, with tremendous investment options, a full lineup, uh, you could create a, an investment uh, portfolio that would, anyone would be proud of. Uh, for a company to offer a plan that's substandard, subpar, it's unconscionable. It doesn't cost them a penny more to have world-class than it does to have second-class. And yet, on occasion, second-class. Uh, for folks who are under 55, they're pretty much stuck. If you're over 55, it is very uh, possible that you will have the option in your 401k uh, to uh, do what's referred to as an in-service rollover, taking your funds from a uh, your 401k, your current balance, into an IRA. So you're not paying any current income taxes. You're still participating in your 401k. You're still active. You're still making your contributions. You're still getting your, uh, your match if the company makes one. Uh, and yet you now have moved your balance into an IRA, which allows you to invest it any way that you wish. It may be superior investments. It may be different investments. We just uh, heard from Alyssa and Michael Parati talking about buffered ETFs. I doubt seriously, I have not yet seen a 401k plan that offers buffered ETFs. So if, if yours does not, that just means you and everybody else does, does not, uh, you're in a position where if you are committed, Hey, these are investments I really want, or Hey, I would really prefer to have it in a, um, a RIOA registered index linked annuity. Those are not typically as in I've not yet seen a 401k plan that offers those. They are not typically offered. If you are committed to that type of platform, then moving to an IRA is your only option, your only option. So uh, 401ks, loans, possibilities. The other thing that be very, very careful about with 401k loans, when you leave your employer, and it used to be, a thousand years ago when I started, we would go, when you leave your employer, <laughs> I'm never leaving. Uh, they'll carry me out of here, boots first. Or I'll leave when I retire because a thousand years ago, people would start at a company and stay for 40 or 50 years. Uh, lots of folks today will be seven, eight, nine, ten different companies over the course of their career, which means they're leaving the company. If you have a 401k loan and you leave the company, you have to pay it off. You got to come up with the cash. Otherwise, it's considered a distribution and you have to pay tax and penalties. So lots of things to consider, lots of issues, lots of details. Make sure you're paying close, uh, close attention. Uh, did I cover everything? Um, no, I will not be toasted and roasted later. Uh, we're heading down to Douglasville. Uh, to help raise funds for a family that's in need. Um, playing a little golf today might be 
the most beautiful day of the summer to play golf. We are very, very blessed, and we're hopeful that lots of folks will join us down there. Um, our good friend uh, Greg Grillo, his daughter Abby, uh, Chad Ruprecht uh, from our office, um, Diane and Alyssa and Megan from my family and I, a uh, lot we're meeting friends down there as well. The entire Carr family, I think not all but Abby or all but Maddie will will be there, and we're going to do the very best we can. So uh, your prayers will be uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, let me see. How much time do we have? Hey, yay. Uh, my husband and I are 79 years old. Bless you. We have a will, but we think we may need a trust. We own a home uh, for 54 years in Pennsylvania and a condo in Florida where we are now residents. We have two children, so we plan to split it equally. Do we need an attorney from Florida or can it be from PA or does it even matter? Yeah, it matters. Uh, the fact that you are now residents of Florida uh, means that your will should reflect the rules uh, as set out by the state of Florida. Um, and rules do vary from state to state. So um, if you have an attorney that you trust in Pennsylvania, you might very well want to get a referral. If you have uh, not an attorney in Pennsylvania, no worries. Uh, perhaps uh, if you have friends in your condo um, community, they may be able to refer you to an estate attorney that you can trust. You want an experienced estate attorney. I don't believe, certainly not from the brevity of your email, I don't see an immediate reason for a trust. I'm not, I'm not seeing that. Uh, a trust is generally uh, considered when someone that you're uh, bequeathing assets to uh, will be in a bit of a pickle or uh, have a real challenge in managing their own money. If you are 79, I'm guessing your kids are in their 40s or 50s and uh, likely capable. Um, but having an effective will and the entire package, not just a will, but a power of attorney, medical directive, etc., is very, very important. So I appreciate uh, your question, and I would suggest that you uh, consult with an attorney in Florida. Uh, we just have a minute or two before we go to the end of the show, uh, enjoying a great piece of music from Stevie Wonder. Uh, and um, I want to share with you the opportunity that, if you wish, uh, a free second opinion meeting with a More Than Money advisor. They are available in our More Than Money World Headquarters in the Holy Lands between Bethlehem and Nazareth. All you need to do is ask. And asking is easy. You can send me an email, gene at askmtm.com, G-E-N-E at askmtm.com. You can go to our website, morethanmoneyonline.com. You'll get a ton of information. And then, of course, you'll also get contact info so that you can reach out to us. And, goodness, you can go old school. We have phones. Amazing. Uh, 610-746-7. 610-746-7007. And you can call 24-7, leave a message, or call Monday through Friday, normal business hours. Wonderful people will answer your calls for you. Folks, thanks to everybody who was in 
part of our show today and everybody who listened in for the entire show. Hopefully you'll rejoin us as I'm back here next week in front of the microphone for More Than Money. Yeah.